Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy Wednesday, my friends. I am so happy to be with you today. Today's episode is so much fun. My guest is Anna Golden, and she's a 23-year-old worship leader living in Greenville, South Carolina, single gal, loving Jesus, and making incredible worship songs. I love talking with Anna about being a worship leader, navigating church during the last four months of COVID-19, how to be a cheerleader for single gals in the church. It is truly a great happy hour today. Talking with Anna completely reminds me of why I wrote my newest book, You Be You, which releases on October 1st. I wrote it for every woman who feels like she has a voice and something to say, which side note is all of us. We all have a voice and we all have things to say. And I want every woman to own her gifts, her talents and her callings that God has gifted uniquely to her. I wrote You Be You for you. You are a woman who has great things inside of you, and your great thing cannot be compared to her great things. My prayer and my hope and my desire is that when you dive into this book, that you will discover and be reminded that you can be successful right where God has planted you. That satisfaction is not only granted to some people, but we all have the ability to be satisfied with our lives. I want women like me and like you, I want us to truly bloom where we were planted by God, to thrive in our circumstances, no matter what they may look like. I want you to know that you can be successful right where you are. I want to show you how to bloom where you're planted. I want you to thrive. If you want to hear more information about this book, text UBU, all one word, no spaces, to 33777. That's UBU, no spaces, that's the title of the book, to 33777, and I will tell you all you need to know about the book. Here is my conversation with the talented, super sweet, lovely Anna Golden. Hey, Anna, welcome to the happy hour. Hey, how are you, Jamie? I'm so excited to be on happy hour. Well, I'm excited. I don't have coffee or anything. I'm like, I think I should. I I have my coffee. Um, and it, look, it says girls support girls, which is what we're doing today. I love today. that. Yeah. Um, super on brand with what's going on in the media right now too. All seems like it. Things. Yes. Um, so welcome to the happy hour. This is, um, so fun to have you on. Um, I am a new listener to your music and I'll just tell you, I'm loving every single, um, second of it. So introduce yourself to my listeners. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm Anna Golden. I am a singer, songwriter, worship leader. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I have lived in most major cities. I like, I've lived in a lot of different cities across the United States, and now I reside in Greenville, South Carolina. So now I'm in the South in a smaller town. So it's been a little different, but I am stepped into a worship pastor role. So that's also been really cool. Okay. Where is yeah. If you've if you've lived everywhere, where's your favorite city you've lived in? Los Angeles, 
for sure. Why? I love LA. I so when I was growing up, I was like um a little show kid, showbiz kid. So my whole family, I have three siblings and my parents, we would go to LA like monthly and we'd stay out there. So it was kind of like my second home and I just fell in love with it. And I love the weather and the whole vibe. It's very creative. So I love living in Los Angeles. Okay. So you just randomly said that you grew up as a showbiz kid. What do you actually mean by that? <laughs> like, I can't let that go, Anna. I know. What a weird term. Um, I, so when I was really young, our whole family, we're just like that family that you would meet and be like, what are you guys? We were all homeschooled because my parents were very close. My dad was a chiropractor. He had his own chiropractic business. So we're always in the house and we were just a lot my parents were both from the industry. My dad was a worship leader. They met being worship leaders. And my mom was a jazz singer and she traveled. My dad was a classical guitarist. So, of course, it was like in our veins. And when we were young, I think the first time I went to Los Angeles, I was like nine years old. My mom's like, we're going to go do auditions and get like an agent. So I've been in acting classes since I was a little kid, going back and forth. We did a lot of stuff with Radio Disney, Disney Channel growing up, like me and my older brother, Josh, especially. So yeah, that was like our whole lives. I never went to an actual school. That never happened for me. I was always homeschooled. <laughs> so it was really interesting. I always felt like I missed out, but like growing up, I'm like, wow, I'm really, I'm really grateful for the life that I had as a kid, but... I was a little adult, a very young age. You were a little adult. Now, are any of your siblings still doing, I assume, acting, if that's what was going on there? Anyone still doing that or your parents or anything? As far as the acting side, I remember specifically, I was 14. I was meeting with like the heads of Disney, the record label side. Okay. And I played them a song and they just stopped me and they were like, I'm like 14. I can play guitar. I write music. And they were just like, oh, this is so cool. And they, their first question was like, do you act? And I'm like, sure. I think for us, it was always like music was music. first. Yeah. Yeah. So it, they are all still involved in music. So my brother signed. He lives in Los Angeles. He makes like a full-time living off of writing. He writes for other artists that you like hear on the radio too. Like that's, that's all. We're very still in the industry. It's like hard to grow up in it and like break out of it. Cause like once you, once you get to, you love it. Like we're a very creative family. So I love it so much. We over here at the Ivy household, I have four kids, just so you know, my husband is a worship pastor and songwriter. And it's interesting to watch our family because three of our kids joined our family through adoption. So we only have one biological son okay. and it's interesting to see them pick up a love for music just from being around it. And some of them are like, no, thanks. But my daughter who is not biologically related to me sings and loves music. And so it's fun. I love hearing your story. And although we're not heading out to LA, our kids are still surrounded by music. In fact, this is funny. When we had our first child, my husband was like, we're not playing any kids music for them. Like nothing. <laughs> he, was, he was born in 2003. He was like only Coldplay. And I was like, okay, really? Like no nursery rhymes. He's like nothing. <laughs> They're like, only going to hear the good stuff. Yes. Yes. So funny. <laughs> okay. So I love hearing your story. And I feel like that if I sat down with you, that there would be hours of fun conversations from your adventures. But I want to talk about you leading worship as a youth. I have teenagers, like I said, and you, I'm always intrigued 
when there is a maturity within a teenager to be able to lead worship, being married to a worship leader, I know that it's not a, it's not a flippant thing for adults. And, you know, I wouldn't assume it would be flippant for a teenager either, but what did it look like for you to feel empowered like that? And even to have such, I mean, it feels like it'd be a heavy weight for a teenager to lead people in worship. So talk to me about that. What was that like for you? The backstory, I started like as normally kids do in like children's church. Yeah. And I would just, I had always like the loudest voice. It's like so obnoxious <laughs> that the worship leader after one of our services, like a Wednesday night, like Bible group, he was like, Hey, I can hear you singing from the stage. And <laughs> I would love if you would come sing with me. And I was like, this is what you were saying about your kids loving music and things. I was, since all my siblings were obsessed with music, I was like, I'm going to be different. Like that oh, young, yeah. I'm the youngest. So I was like, I love animals. I'm going to be a veterinarian. Like I'm not going to do anything in the music industry. And then I was like, every opportunity that I've ever had on a worship team or anything like that has been presented to me. And it just, it all kind of folds into my story in such a beautiful way. But I started as, I think I was like 11 and I would just come every week and just like sing with him. And at that point I didn't really fully grasp what we were doing. But then when I was 14, I took an internship at an international house of prayer. And it was basically what that looked like was 12 hours on a Tuesday of being in a prayer room where there would be a worship leader on stage and the sets would look different. Sometimes it would be like devotional sets or intercession sets and just gleaming from all of them and being like the understudy, always being like back up. And then slowly, but surely, I don't think I really led a worship set until I was 16. And I remember being so frustrated <laughs> for like four years being like, cause I never saw myself as a kid. You know what I mean? Like when you are a child, you're like, I'm not a kid. Right, but, but it was just learning the weight of it, learning the accountability. I would say the biggest thing that I had to learn as a kid leading worship was there has to be so much accountability mm. because there is such a weight to what you do and you can't take it lightly. And it's easy to see it as a solo or mm-hmm. a singing opportunity. But as I started to get older, probably like 16, 17, I realized the spiritual weight and the impact of what we do. And that just came from singing a song to leading a song to ministering a song, knowing Mm -hmm. how to steward the moments in between songs. And then through that, learning how to pastor people and seeing that being a worship leader is actually 10% of what you do on stage and 90% of what you do off stage Amen. and learning how that weaved into my whole life. So And I'm really grateful that I had a lot of noble and honest people that led me. I've heard experiences where people's mentors have just like shattered their concept of what worship leading looks like. And that's just people being people. And I totally understand that. But I'm really grateful that I had those opportunities to glean from people who were pure and just noble in what they did. Okay. So you had this internship at 14 and I have a 14 and a 15 year old. And let me just tell you, they're not leading anybody in a 12 hour prayer gathering. (laughs) I'm going to ask some people to have a 12 hour prayer gathering for my kids, but we have to acknowledge the maturity. And I know that you were the last child and that you were homeschooled. And so there is homeschooling is awesome. I'm not thinking that's a bad thing. You just kind of grew up and you said, even you were just this little adult 
Can we talk about, you said something that I think is so important that myself, this is a fun conversation for me because I see the flip side being married to a worship pastor. Oh, yeah. And I see everything you're talking about with the accountability and what happens off the stage. And so what does it mean when you say, I didn't understand the accountability or I needed that? What does that mean for someone who is on a stage leading people, whether through worship, we can talk specifically worship because that's yeah. what you do, or just a pastor? What does that mean when you say that, that accountability? The accountability, I would say the biggest thing, I think when most people hear accountability, they immediately go to any kind of sexual desire or like pornography. That's a big thing to keep accountable with because Mm -hmm. like lust can really spill into obviously a worship leader's life. That's like a huge thing. But in the biggest sense, accountability is someone who knows you and knows when you're not being you Mm. and seeing when to tell you to pull back and when they can notice that you're leaning on your gift and not on the Holy spirit. That's good. That was the biggest thing for me because when you are talented and when you do have a gift, you can, which is the scariest part of being worship pastors, worship leaders, you can coast on your gift Mm -hmm. for a certain amount of time until it just runs out. Yeah. And that's the acknowledgement of accountability. Someone who's like, Hey, I noticed that you weren't operating in you're well, you are operating out of your gift. And that's where you don't see things change. That's where you don't see the power of God move and and like that is our responsibility to keep in a right place. And it's a heavy weight. Like I being young and being in that position and you can ask my mentors, I had moments all the time of like, I don't want to do this. I want to be like a normal teenager like Mm -hmm. all my teenagers are messing up and goofing off and like doing all these things and then I just my mentor was like you know that is not the call that you have on your life right now and you have to be at a level of consecration that other people can't get at and that was something as mature as I was that I, I had to learn through years and years of just like questions and toiling with God about those things. It almost felt like I couldn't get away with things that other people could get yeah. away with. Yeah. Like, but yeah, the accountability side, and there's so much safety. I think that there's also this stigma on accountability that it's for someone to uncover you mm. and to air out your sins or to make you feel like condemned for them. But it's really such a safe place. And it's like such a safety and accountability and leaning on someone else and someone who knows you and knows the fabric of you and your being and your soul and to just be able to bounce off of that too. So I love that you said it's a safe place because just the other day I had a girlfriend, really close friend of mine. I mean, one of my closest friends reach out and leave me a message on Voxer because we use Voxer a lot because life and it's just, you can't (laughs) always talk on the phone when you want to. Totally. Um, and she, she, her conversation, her message went something like this. Hey, I just want to say that I've noticed this in your life and I know we've talked about this. And so I want to check in and I sent her a message back and the way you just described that I felt so safe and loved by her. And, you know, I've told her this before and I told her again, I'm like, you have every right to speak into my life. Like I've given you that permission. You may speak in. And you may call it out, you may build it up, you may encourage, you may point out things. And it did, it felt super safe because we have reached this understanding in our relationship that we're for each other. You know what I mean? Like 
no one's calling out to be like, oh, I want to call out your something so that I can tear you down, but we're for each other. And I think that's so good. You know, it's interesting. I'm 42. So I'm about 20 years older than you. And well, 18, I think if we want to be exact. So I'll take the extra (laughs) two if I can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And what you said, you mentioned something that I think as being someone who does what I do, my husband's a pastor, is probably one of the scariest things for me to think about. And it would be that coasting. It would be Mm -hmm. the, I can get by and no one would realize that I'm just using my gifts and I'm not relying on the spirit to do things in me. And I think it's important that women talk about that because I talk about that with my friend that I was actually just talking about. And I want to be like so on guard against that because you could easily do it, Anna. You could get on stage. You have a fabulous voice. You could go through the motions, but like you said, that would only last so long. And so I, I like that you're acknowledging that. And I think it's good for women to look around at their close people and go, okay, here are the telltale signs when I'm coasting and I'm going to tell them to you and you're going to call me out on them. Totally. It is so helpful. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. 
Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Let's talk about you as a single woman, as a worship pastor. I (laughs) am so excited to chat about this because I think that you could probably reveal some maybe stigmas that are around this or even what you've experienced. And then I would love for you to even just encourage us women who go to churches and who do life with single women. How can we be your greatest cheerleader? So talk to me about that. I would say the biggest stigma is that I am like <laughs> dying for a husband. Okay. <laughs> that is the- Everyone's walking around going, poor Anna. She's oh, just yearning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, this, you're just in a waiting season. I get those, I get those words all the time. And mm-hmm. I think that like, I'm like, ah. so just a backstory of me. I was engaged when I was 20. Okay. And I knew I shouldn't have been engaged. And it was just, I'd been in a relationship since I was about 18. And we were then engaged until I was almost 22. Ended up calling that off, just knew that it was not the will of God for me. And I had a pastor that I used to work under. She told me something that was so big for me. She was like, whoever you marry is directly going to affect the call of God on your life. And I was like, I really just carried that in such a different weight And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't marrying out of routine or necessity Mm -hmm. or feeling like, because there was just this uncomfortability when I would travel of people being like, oh, well, you're a single pastor. Automatically, they think you're just having sex. You're just being wild. Like, it's like Mm -hmm. this, there's this huge stigma on that, especially with women or that you're just buzzing for a husband and like, you don't know how to be alone. I would say those are the biggest stigmas that I come in contact with, which are totally not true. And I know so many of my single friends who are like, listen, we're stacking up. We're doing what we can for ourselves, building our own lives. Mm -hmm. I've always seen it since I was a little kid. I was raised by a very independent woman and my, my mom and my dad, were two very independent people on their own. And they really showed me that like do everything you can as a single, and then you'll reach a new level where you'll have this partner and then you do everything you can with your partner and not to just waste that season or even see that season as such a waiting period, but as like a growing period. And like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the thing. And I know that being a pastor, it's hard to date while being a pastor. I bet. I bet. There's so many many things. And then that's where accountability comes in too. And you have to be the example and you don't get away with things other people can't get away with. And that's just, it is what it is. And you have to accept that when you accept the position of like pastoral office. But those are definitely some of the stigmas. And I would say to encourage other single women or even how women treat women in church is 
just treat them like another person, not that they're like a woman or a man, because men do not get the same treatment. This doesn't seem like this would transfer a single man in the church. Oh, totally not. I mean, I know that they do get some of those like sexual implications of like, oh, are you doing this? Are you doing this? But normally it's like, oh, you're strong on your own. (laughs) And then they'd be like, oh, you're weak without a man. Yeah. The flip side. Yeah, totally. Like, are you just can't wait to be married or are you seeing someone? I'm like, are you asking that guy that or what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. I was married pretty early. And so I didn't have a lot of that. So I started following Jesus at 21. And then my husband and I got married at, I think I was 23. So I didn't have this big season of chasing Jesus as a single woman, but I really am, as I'm parenting children who are going to be eventually, you know, in their twenties, I am so Um, I don't think I'd use the word passionate because it's not like this huge passion of mine, but I'm so encouraged by the conversations like you're having and other friends of mine that I know that we've had even on this show of encouraging single people to not view that time in their life as this, I'm just here waiting. So my life will begin when I get married. And even some people struggle with using the word seasons, like, oh, this is my single season and my married season. Because, (laughs) I mean, what if God doesn't bring you a married season? Or what if you get married at 40, you know, and it's just, it's this tough thing. But I just want the body of Christ to be like, everyone is chasing Jesus hard and serving him. And if you're married, then you've got this partner you're doing it with. If you're single, you've got partners in the church who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're all going towards the same goal. That's what I want for my own life, even to like change my narrative about singleness. And so thank you for having that conversation. Oh, totally. It's a big thing for me, especially when I encounter it and I'm like, no, let's not. And And I've spoken to other single women, like in church, like my friend groups, and they're like, we have this stigma that we're like desperate for a man. <laughs> we're not at all. Like if anything, like we're getting chased after guys, we're turning them down. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. This whole opposite side of things. So I love it. I mean, I feel like even now through the last couple of years, women are getting such stronger and bolder of a voice. Like we've always been strong and we've always been bold, but now we're like, Hey, you have to accept this. Like, yeah, this is what we're doing and we can have our own careers and our own paths in our own homes. And then we can also find a man that's the same. There you go. There you go. Okay. So congrats. I don't know how new this is in your life with joining um, the new record label. How new is that? It is pretty new. I'm like quarantine, like time and space feels like. like, like, Someone said the other day, did you watch the show cheer? No, but I've heard about it. Okay. I've heard about it too. I haven't watched it, but. I think it came out in 2020, I think which so. I feel like I heard about that show 18 years ago. This is how 2020 feels is that. Oh yeah. Tiger I, King. I, that was like first phase of quarantine. That happened a hundred years ago in my mind. That was a hundred years ago in my mind as well. Yes. Did you watch Tiger so, King? I did. I did. I was very hooked. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it too, but I like watch TV sometimes at night when I'm falling asleep. And so I have to watch every episode like 15 times. Cause I'm like, where did I fall asleep? So, Oh, totally. But totally. I did it. Okay. So record label 2020 or 2019. It was 2020 and we started planning and prepping, you know, cause these things don't happen quickly mm-hmm. at the fall of 2019. Yeah. But I got signed 
So normally, like, the situation of getting signed, you, like, go into the record label and you, like, sit down and it's, like, this beautiful moment and someone, like, gives you a pen and you're, like, wow, and then you take pictures with the label heads. I w- we were in quarantine. So I uh, went over to Tasha's house. We that is so the- funny. We sat at the dining table. We couldn't even go out to eat to celebrate because that just didn't exist. But it was different. But I feel like if you listen to me speak in any sort of anything, every aspect of my life has almost been just so different. And I think that's like the beauty of my journey. But happened in 2020, very new. I've known Tasha since her last album recording, Heart, Passion, Pursuit. And since then, it was just like immediate kindred, God-ordained like friendship. Isn't that such like a beautiful thing? Like when you know that God brought someone into mm-hmm. your life and you're like, oh, that. this is so good. Like it just clicks. So that. since then, we've done things together. And then she started speaking about opening her own imprint. And then she opened Teeley. And I am like the breakout artist. It's, just, it's honestly, it's so much fun because we've created together for a while So it's like family. And since I've always worked with family, like my mom was my manager as a kid, like obviously all my siblings, like it just feels so natural and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, in case anyone doesn't know, you're talking about Tasha Cobbs Leonard, who is singer, worship leader, and now creator, owner, in charge. label head. I don't even know. I don't know. I call her a mogul. She owns a lot of different companies and she's killing it. She does. She's killing it. Well, congrats on that. And so you have two new songs coming out that already come out, one called Mm -hmm. Birds and one called Peace. I want to talk about the Birds song because I've had it on repeat and you can tell, I, I would love to hear from you where this song was birthed from and what it means to you. So this song... I wrote it at the beginning of right before we went in lockdown Mm -hmm. and things started to like get a little scary. If you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was like at first it was something that was overseas and we didn't think about it. And then it turned into like, oh, it's here. And will this affect us? And I am OCD. So mm-hmm. I have being OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder. So I get really obsessive on thoughts. And I was like, what if this happens? What if this happens and things are out of my control? And I'm like, ah. Mm-hmm. And I had this, this little melody that I was playing on guitar for like a while that I could never write to. And, I, and that day I, I was sitting down to write. And I felt like this pressure to write something congregational because at the at the end of the day, I'm a worship leader and I love mm-hmm. to write things for my church. I love to write things that I can minister with. And I just felt the Lord just be like, take the pressure off that today. Write what's in your heart. So I just started playing that melody and the song came together really quickly. And I remember playing through and being like birds in the air. They don't worry. Then I mumbled the next line and I was like, if all of creation depends on your goodness, then why can't I? Mm. And I stopped and it wasn't like a, well, what a killer line. It was like, why can't I? Mm. Like if everything else in our atmosphere is so dependent that God is going to follow through with everything he's done yesterday, today and forever, then why is anxiety this nervousness so human base like where do we get off thinking like we're not going to get taken care of when we're truly made in the image of him Mm -hmm. so it was just this peaceful 
concept of being like, and the end of the chorus, when it breaks down and says, I know all these things. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're true because we've all experienced the, the goodness of God. And it's like, but I know these things, but I must admit, I'm so human sometimes that I question it. I'm so human sometimes that I forget. But every single thing that you've done for the birds, that you've done for the lilies of the valley, you've done even more for me. And just like to rest in that. And I always talk about how the Lord gives me songs for me first. I believe that our gifts and our talents, just how our bodies are designed to heal themselves. If we get like a cut, your your body will heal itself. Or if you break a bone, I believe that God spiritually has that for us too with our gifts and talents that when we flow in them, that they heal us first before they heal other people. So that song was definitely something the Lord needed to tell me first and foremost beyond anything and then releasing and seeing how it's resonated with people. It's always such a beautiful thing. And there's always such a comfort when I release something that is so like raw and genuine to my experience, how it connects with other people. It just shows Mm -hmm. that you're not alone in your thoughts and your feelings. And it shows that there are other people that feel the exact same way that, that you do too. And it's okay to have moments of questioning things. I think that, you know, God was so gracious in the Bible with Thomas, you know, being like, Hey, like feel, feel my hands. Like I'm not condemning you, but I'm going to show you who I am. Mm. And I think that there are times when Jesus is like, Hey, just ask me those questions. Tell me how you're feeling. Like, I do want to show you who I am. I love it so much. You know, it's, it's interesting that we know the scripture in the Bible about, you know, God takes care of the birds. And if he takes care of them, look how much he's going to take care of us. And Mm-hmm. I've thought about that a thousand times and then quarantine hit and coronavirus and everything shut down. And you're right. There were some moments of feeling like what's happening and, you know, knowing people personally who've gotten sick and lost jobs and are having to close restaurants, all of those things were overwhelming and still can feel it sometimes. And I think it's interesting. I was listening to your song the other day and it reminded me I had this moment kind of like you where I was outside and we live where we have some land and I just started watching these birds and hummingbirds and I got real kind of geeked out over them. And I was having to slow down because life was slowing down that I was noticing things that I hadn't noticed before the birds. And so when I heard your song, it took me back to that moment that I had in my yard of feeling like that exact same thing. Like, God, these birds, they're just doing their thing. They're going on with their life and they're taken care of. And it was so sweet for me. And so I'm glad that God gave you those words because it even reminded of a moment when him and I had this moment outside looking at the birds and I felt like, am I becoming a bird watcher? Am I about to get like, what are the things, binoculars and a book? But I I was in it. I was ready. I was so ready. Listen, Um, I thought the same thing. All those little guys (laughs) were just flying around my yard. At first, honestly, at first I was so mad. I was like, you guys need to be a little more stressed. Okay. (laughs) Don't you know what's happening, guys? Yeah. Don't you guys know what's going on? We're in the middle of a global pandemic. Probably can see you guys. Probably can see birds somewhere. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy. What does church look like for you guys as a worship leader? Like, how are you handling still meeting together? And I mean, maybe not together, but I would assume not together, but how are you handling leading your people right now? It is different. So I'll start by the beginning. I remember the first Sunday we had to like close. It wasn't 
the 10 people in a room, it was, I think, 100. So we had like the elders in the room, mm-hmm. I think maybe some of our staff members. And it was kind of like, this is not going to change anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Like we all kind of, we felt that. We recorded a live service that day. And then from there, we filmed, we pre-recorded services. We did some in like creative locations. We did some in the church building, uh, remote stuff, like filming separately all these different kinds of ways. I will say that I 100% miss people being in the room. I love the expectation. I love the faith that just comes together. I mean, in the Bible, it talks about the two or more gathered, you know, like there's agreement, but I do believe that God is strategically showing us a lot of different things. And honestly, I never thought I would say this, but probably my favorite times and most beautiful times in worship have been when recording them. Wow! There's like, oh my gosh, like there just been moments where keep the camera rolling. We've been going for just 30 minutes. Our volunteers, there's no pressure. The pressure has been taken off. Yeah, And I think that that has been so beautiful. Like, okay, we don't need it necessarily. Like if we have to trim the tape, that's fine. But like, there's no one in the room. No one has to worry about going and pick up their kids from childcare. Yeah. Like we can just have these open moments. And it's almost like we're rekindling this intimacy that sometimes kind of faded away in a congregational setting. And to be honest, like you can really get in a routine of church, Mm -hmm. you know, especially working at church when Sunday mornings has the same flow. I think that this is really a big shakeup and um, that God has been doing something super specific, but I miss conferences too. I know that's funny, like worship night, things like that. I miss those nights where you just have so much anticipation and expectation and it's definitely different. And I don't know when it'll be. I asked someone the other day, I was like, do you think we'll ever do big events again? Like even being out now, like even being out now, like people being close enough, like there's this almost this nervousness now that you have to be close to someone. Yeah. Do you, like, you know what I mean? So there's Mm -hmm. like, I see videos of like Coachella or like big festivals and stuff. And I'm like, it gives me like this, like, ooh. I know. Like the stigma. We talked about this. I am one of the co-hosts on the Relevant Podcast that comes out every Friday. And we talked about that on this week's show when we're recording about how hard this quarantine and COVID-19 and pandemic has been for artists, for creatives, for musicians, and especially those kind of middle of the road musicians who would maybe spend a lot of their time touring and maybe medium to smaller size venues. And they have just lost everything. And, you know, we had that conversation of when is the next time, like we'll go to a festival or, you know, a big concert and it just, everything is so different and we don't know. And it's almost this kind of, I want to be sad over it. And also it's hard because I want to be sad over not being able to go to a big concert. And I also Mm want to really hold the tension of there are people dying every day from this disease. And so there's that tension of this is so awful and I'm so sad and oh my gosh, I miss this, you know, and it's hard to find the spot in there, but it's difficult. It really is. I went to church for the first time maybe two weeks ago, and we are doing, uh, they were doing pre-recorded our church and now they're doing live on Sundays. And in the audience was just, you know, crew and production. And then basically everyone's wife or girlfriend that was on stage. Mm-hmm. And so the whole family went and Anna, I cried through the entire worship set. 
because just oh, yeah. I just miss that being in a room, being led in worship. And it was just, it was so beautiful. I'm going to go again this Sunday because my husband's preaching. So I'm going to like tag along with them again. Oh, yeah. just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's so good. Okay. I love everything we've talked about. And this is going to be so helpful to so many people understanding and walking alongside people. And I'm so grateful for your voice. I'm grateful for your leadership. I'm grateful for your church and everything you're doing. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. And now I would love to ask you, what are you loving? What are you reading? I'm loving so many things. First of all, I have a question for you. Have you been ordering anything online? I've been ordering uh, a so few many. things. <laughs> Listen, I, I could have a whole podcast so about things I've ordered from Instagram ads. Let's just be honest. Okay. Mine I have- is TikTok. I could literally, I could fill a room with <laughs> that I have ordered from TikTok. I saw that app and was like, this is so dumb. This is for like little kids. I'll never. And now, now I'm like on it and I'm like loving it. I'm like, what is going on? The things that you do during quarantine. That is so funny. I know. So what have you ordered that you're loving? <laughs> <laughs> what haven't I ordered? Yeah. I, there's been so many stupid things, like different projects, but I would say my favorite skincare stuff right now because you know we're all like into skincare like why are we wearing makeup we don't got to right now Mm -hmm. you know anything Laneige girl Laneige sleeping mask oh it is a lip mask I wear a lip lip mask yes it is a lip mask I wear it as gloss it is so hydrating you never feel sticky your lips will never have creases in them again it is probably the best product I've ever owned anything Laneige I love their moisturizers their face sleeping mask is great i use that too it's like a water-based mask when you don't want as much moisture mm-hmm. all those things i like our state just reopened like a little while ago south carolina i'm not gonna lie these people we've been kind of reckless <laughs> i think our state <laughs> probably needs to shut back down <laughs> but i had gone to my esthetician because they like required negative covid tests all these things so i was like okay this feels pretty safe I went back to my assistant. She like roasted me. I was like, what is going on? She's like, you need to make sure you're doing this, 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 and this at home. I'm like, okay. Oh, gosh. I know. I was like, gosh, we've been in quarantine. (laughs) TV shows. I'm a big TV person. I love watching shows like anything on Netflix. I've been watching the show Dear White People. Here's a PSA. It is... There is some raunchy things in there. Okay. That's just everybody. It kind of, it's kind of the world we live in. You're going to have something with shows that are popular. It's going to be something that you probably don't like in there. 100%, but right? I would say being a white person in America, it's a great show to watch. It shows, it uncovers a lot of different biases that you have that you didn't think that you had, stigmas. And it's also a great show. Okay. I, I love, love it. things that you like learn as uh-huh. well as you're watching and enjoying all, you know, 
the drama we love to watch on TV. Love it. I love it. <laughs> Are you a reader? What are you reading? I am a reader. I what book did I just order? I ordered a stupid book off TikTok the other day. Isn't that like, <laughs> so it was, funny? It was about like date. I know. I'm like, at this point, I'm like, I am the image of like digital marketing. <laughs> like I get hooked on everything. I will say at the beginning of quarantine, I read Brian Johnson's new book. It was about his anxiety. When God becomes real. Okay. Super great book. Any worship leader who struggles with anxiety or depression, which I would say most worship leaders struggle with that because we're so empathetic and especially mm. with going on with what's going on in the state of the world. It's so great and it's comforting. Brian Johnson did a message at Heaven Come Conference. I want to say this was like three years ago, two or three years ago. It was the first okay. one. It was in Los Angeles. I don't know what the name of the message was. Him and Jen were sitting on stage. One of the most impactful messages of my life. He just literally just started breaking down how he was having these panic attacks and how he was coping with things. And mm -hmm. it was so transparent and it's mm -hmm. easy to feel like you have to be on a pedestal when you mm -hmm. are in a position of leadership, when that's not the case. And once you air out those things that you feel are eating away at your soul, that's where healing starts. So hearing someone else talk about that, hearing someone else's journey, is so beautiful. So I really, really recommend it. I love that. Yeah. So those are some things that I have just been loving. Oh, dry shampoo. This is so funny. When I was filling out this questionnaire with my assistant, uh, she was like, what are some things that you've been loving? I was like, dry shampoo. She goes, we're in quarantine. Why aren't you just washing your hair? I'm like, because I'm a bleach blonde. You know, I don't want to keep washing my hair all the time. Batiste dry shampoo. It bury me with it. Okay? okay. It's the best dry shampoo. I have naturally oily hair. So it's like, it, it really, and it gives you volume. It just makes you feel good. You know, I like love volume and dry shampoo. I mean, sometimes I'll use dry shampoo after I wash my hair and fix it just because it oh, like, girl. picks it up a little bit. L love it. Love it. A hundred percent. Okay. Anna, it has been a joy to chat with you. I love all the things you're loving. I love your music. I love your heart for the people in your church. And so- Thank you for spending time with us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I could talk with you all day. Yay, okay, thank you. Thanks, girl. Friends, don't forget to check out Anna's new song, Birds, and her other song, Peace, wherever you stream music. The weekend before I interviewed her, I listened to the song Birds nonstop, and you will love it, I promise. Make sure you follow her on social media as well. Let's be people and women who cheer each other on. Don't forget, if you're interested in learning more about my newest book titled UBU, be sure to text UBU, no spaces, all one word, to 33777 so you can get a direct message with all the details and links to make pre-ordering super, super easy. Today's show was edited and mixed by the team at Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Abigail Castile, and the whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Friends, enjoy your week. Share the show with a friend. That is the best way that people find out about our show. Have a virtual happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here on Friday with my guest, Kayla Stockline. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.